0: Fellow superstars cling desperately to the charred fragments of your former successes try not to appear your age and stare numbly into the yawning void of anonymity because
1: it's time to talk tall to me <laughs> I am Nick McGill. <laughs> I am Omen Sade. We are Feckless Momes. And this is Talk Tull to Me, a stagecoach
0: tour around the Orpheum circuit of Prague Rock, where Nick and I, both tired, washed up Vault villains, pedal our classic Tull act around the country to dwindling audiences. Every jitterbug an album, every tumbling trick a song. We work our way through our dusty old repertoire, hoping to one day hear from our agent, Ian Anderson. Is that too depressing? So, Nick. Yes, Omen. How are you doing today? Good. It's warm here in New York City. Mm -hmm. And it's warm in my heart because I am really into the song that we are going to talk about today. But before we do that, Nick, do we have any business? We have
1: no business at all, Omen. No business. Do we have any factoids, any... Any errata to cover? I I have some, some, ero- some errata have some yes. Er- erotic errata. Mm, I don't know my, how erotic it is. My but screen name. It is a fun fact, Nick. Okay, fun fact, me.
0: So, Nick, we have talked a lot about Dee Palmer and her glorious yes. strings. Mm-hmm. Nick, I have discovered a fact about the strings on this album that I think will be of interest both to you and to our listeners. Go on. (laughs) Dee hired a string quartet, put together a string quartet for this album. Okay. And
1: specifically chose all-female string players. Hey, in in 1974, that is some, some forward thinking. Well, and I think that it
0: was an artistic choice because... I think and, and I feel like this comes through in the music. I think that there's a real change in energy and a real mm. contrast between the the super masculine rock and roll, the Hammond Hammond, the the Barrymore, even the even the Lancelot and the Ian Anderson. It's all very masculine. Yes. And and there's a contrast between the the beautiful softness and and tenderness of the strings. And I think that the that contrast provides it a nice energy.
1: I think I think that's a good point. And I and I I have to I have to agree in in terms of of we don't necessarily know for sure the reasoning behind it, obviously. But like, I think I think that is a, a good theory that she wanted to 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 have that kind of I don't want to say juxtaposition per se, but but that real distinct change because it it makes it all the more potent
0: and nuanced. Yes.
1: Yeah, yeah, and actually, I believe when when Ian goes on tour with a string quartet, his are generally women too. I wonder if he kept with that for that reason. Maybe. Yeah, that's cool. Huh. That's very cool. Well. That is that has run the well dry, in terms of factoids. Actually, you know what? I'm going to insert a factoid here since we're t- oh please since do. we're bringing up the song itself now. I've got a factoid about Glory Row, which we're talking about oh. now. Oh, it's okay. It's just kind of like a minute technical detail here, but Glory Row <laughs> never talk about minute again. <laughs> before before it was issued on the remastered version of War Child. Ah yes. The only time it was heard was it was made available in a Spanish LP edition of Aqualung. Mm-hmm. In 1971, but this version wasn't released until 75 and Aqualung was on was the A-side. Traditionally the B-side would have been Locomotive Breath. Right. So Glory Road took the took the place of Locomotive Breath and the Apparently the logic behind getting rid of Locomotive Breath was because it was already on the Living in the Past album that came out in 72.
0: I did read that Nick and I I found that to be really fascinating.
1: The the to think to think about the 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 logistics behind when to expose a song when and and even like locationally that this is this was a choice made for the Spanish market of a single LP like I know. What What's the thought process behind that? It's so cool. I, I
0: I also just imagine, you know, some some English tull fan vacationing mm. on the Costa Blanca mm-hmm. in Spain one summer and by chance discovering a Spanish release of Aqualung and having a you know having a listen and then discovering this totally new song yeah. which had never been heard in the UK and just freaking
1: out. Yeah, that's that's so cool. That's so cool. The the way that you could Kind of almost randomly be exposed to to new tull content in that era of yeah. just finding a new album, a new a new physical vinyl, as opposed to just doing a Google search and looking on YouTube or, or, yeah, or iTunes or whatever.
0: Very cool. I imagine our, our imagined English English person coming back to England after holiday and going to the pub and saying, Oi Mickey, you'll never guess what I discovered in Spain. It's a new Tal song. <laughs>
1: And Mickey going, get off it. You're drunk again. I, I have a feeling those accents were inspired by your beloved giving you hell about your accents not, <laughs> not a half an hour ago.
0: <laughs> mm, we'll never know. So, Nick, <laughs> without further ado, I know you already said it, but just for the official tally, what are we
1: listening to today? We are going to listen and talk Tull about Glory Row. Let's have a listen. Well, Nick, there we have it. Omen. I <laughs> I nice. I remember liking this song. I don't remember I didn't remember how good this song is
0: yeah did you like this song from the first
1: time that you that you heard it yeah was it an instant hook i think so but i i I guess maybe i never listened to it on on good enough headphones to hear all of the pieces and parts but holy cow
0: i know the construction of it is really really rich it's it's very it's like it's like a tapestry nick it's like a richly woven tapestry yeah, and you know, you know that that's not a throwaway compliment for me because you know how much I love tapestries. If
1: if anyone appreciates a tapestry, it is Omen Sade. I love a good tapestry. I mean, I've been saying that for years. Yeah, <laughs> no joke. I genuinely love tapestries. There's some I had the pleasure of seeing
0: Le Dame et le Licorne series in Paris at the Musée de la Moyen Age, and. Pff, some dank-ass tapestries, you, i tell you Are what. you making up words
1: now? Is that what? N- no, that's, oh,
0: okay. those are real French things. <laughs> that's the lady, in the, the
1: lady in the unicorn. Le, le Musée de Fromage, uh, the tapestry. <laughs> yes, Nick. Yeah. The French Museum of Cheese that's, is where they keep the tapestries. That's, they, what do you think they wrap the cheeses in, Omen? <laughs> <laughs> that's why that taste so good. Yeah, exactly.
0: So this, let's talk musically, Nick
1: yeah that i've I've got more to talk musically than lyrically i think i mean i know there's okay. i know there's a lot to unpack but god the the music in this let's start with some basics
0: it is mercifully in four four time
1: thank goodness thank goodness and
0: but they do you know they do do a little a little a little tall trip me up which is that they they put they put the emphasis often on the the pickup to the one mm so, so the it feels like the phrases are swung a little bit, even though sure. that they are, even though they are in four four. Mm-hmm. I think those are all real things that I just said, but I believe you. It, it, it has a, it has a, it has a grooveability. It kind of makes you like, want
1: to like, move your hips a little bit. Yeah, it's 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 not to the extent where it it, it makes you unsettled or throws you off. No, it's a groove. Yeah, you can groove with it. Yeah. I. For some reason, I I did not remember the, the awesome acoustic in the beginning of the song.
0: Yeah, it's really awesome.
1: All I really remembered was the sax part, the really funky little sax part that uh-huh. kind of lives throughout this song. It kind of reappears. But that acoustic is really nice. Let's talk about the acoustic. Yeah. I do want to circle back to the sax because it's wonderful. Oh, yeah, we can definitely get back to that. It'll be here.
0: I love the construction of the guitar and the acoustic, how it's set up. It comes in with that first just so skillful Ian acoustic mm-hmm. and then it layers on another acoustic guitar, which could be Ian on a different track or it could be Martin playing the acoustic because we don't hear
1: any electric on this song. Yes, we do later. after this after this intro, I, I hear some uh, electric, I think. I was incorrect. There's like a slot there's a slide action going on. Oh yes, mm-hmm. yes, 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 yes. Would you be the star of ages? the light's your own way at night? And then we have the bass dropping in. Really good bass. I it's ev- really exciting. Every time we get the opportunity to hear Jeffrey Hammond's bass. A little more in the forefront. I'm I'm always always pleased by it. Always so good, it, his bass. It's delightful. Yeah. It's delightful.
0: Rise you find the and take for the show.
1: And then we have the first verse and then Oh there's there's we, there's some fun cowbell in there too. Oh, yes, let's talk about the cowbell. Just really quick, Barrymore gets a little cowbell in there. It comes back later on in between, but it's really only maybe six or eight hits, and then it jumps into the lyrics, and it stops for that. But it's in there. It's in there. It's fun.
0: Guess what? I got a fever, and the only prescription is more cowbell. This song is... Deceptively simple. I mean, it, it it presents as being a simple construction
1: musically, mm-hmm. but it is chock full of so many tasty treats musically. It's it's super. It's I mean, the tapestry thing, as tongue in cheek as as we are sometimes about it. Like it's so interwoven, and there are so many pieces that. You can look at it on that greater scale and see this beautiful work of art, but if you get in close so enough... you zoom in, yeah, yeah. it's Oh, man, I love the instrumentation on this song.
0: So let's talk about some of the fun things. There's the cowbell, like you cowbell, said. Cowbell,
1: there's squeezebox, some killer accordion in there's this. There's some wonderful, wonderful squeezebox. Yeah.
0: How did you get to be?
1: the funky sax that comes in and out gloriously funky sax
0: Mm -hmm. I love when I think about this album like I will sometimes or just when I think about Tall sometimes I will just have that sax lick come to my head unbidden and just hang out there for a while that one (laughs) Yeah. yeah
1: I think it's in the in the second chorus we have the introduction of the jingle bells. I was going to talk yeah. about the jingle mm-hmm. bells. I'm glad you brought that up. This is another one of those songs where we see the 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 various disparate pieces added on throughout the the bulk of the song and at the end it's yes. just all of them going ham and it's so good. And then in the end with their powers
0: combined mm. they transform themselves into A really,
1: really fun flute moment. Yep, we got flute in there. There's also, did you hear that mandolin in there too? At the, right after the second chorus?
0: Mm.
1: Yeah, some, yeah, good, yep, good. What is that? It's tremolo. Tremolo, thank you. Oh, I should have, I should have let you struggle with that. That would have been... There are no strings in this song. There, there, there are no bowed strings. Bowed strings, yes, obviously. There, there's no, there's no D, there's no D special, lady quartet. Lady quartet, yeah. But at the end, that build up. Once we're done with the the bulk of the lyrics, and we get kind of the bridge of cacophony before it goes into the the singing of the the verse one more time, kind of a, re, yeah. a reprise of the chorus rather. That that. That buildup and that cacophony of music at the end—you would think that it would be so well. It's a lot like the the timing that you said. the The way the four four is just a, a little tweaked. Yeah. You would think that it would give you that kind of unsettled feeling of everything being too much of a cacophony and a little, yeah. a little too di- disharmonious. But right. it all it all works. They're all communicating. They're all. They're all going to the same destination, albeit just a little different way to get it's, there.
0: It's so well composed. Mm. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's, like, it's like when you, it's like there's an earthquake in the pottery shop and you think that all those beautiful works have been destroyed, but then you hire a mosaics artist mm. who takes all those broken mm-hmm. pieces and puts them together into a mosaic more beautiful than any of the smashed pottery could have ever been in a perfected state
1: they they work they work so well together and and yes. it, they they have it yeah i'm going back to tapestry i think that's that's perfect those <laughs> those separate pieces all together i just i really love the instrumentation on this song i could i could listen to this a couple of times i almost suggested we listen to it again one more time but i listened
0: to it this this morning yeah. and and i'm glad i'm glad that i did because you you know what it reminds me of the experience of it and this is maybe getting a bit more into the theme than 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 musically but but musically all these disparate parts coming together in this beautifully harmonious way reminds me of walking in New York City pre-covid when you just kind of hit that groove mm. and you're walking and like all the lights time out just perfectly mm-hmm. and it's the visual cacophony of advertisements and people and vehicles and shops and dogs and smells of good smells you know on the occasion when you're lucky enough not in the summer not in the summer <laughs> and and you just have this kind of beautiful sensation of like oh yes everything yeah. is just
1: just gearing together in this completely unplanned but very beautiful way yeah and and the crowds part just enough for you to get through every single time it's a dance yeah yeah.
0: everyone everyone's on the same groove
1: yeah too i i think i think this can be our stepping stone into lyrics because that that theme paired with the the slightly lyrical at least the singing part that i'm gonna bring up in the two lines in the second verse well, hello, all you gentlemen. And then we hear Ian in the background go, ah, ah.
0: <laughs> yeah. We're wearing yeah. the same but a different A little a little taste of the Mellotron. Possibly.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, with or the a little with the little wheel to 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 tweak the, the pitch and the tone and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Even if
0: it's not Mellotron, it's, it's the soul of
1: Mellotron. Right. Which can we separate that from Ian at this point? I don't know. We cannot. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's not, like a. He wouldn't survive the operation.
0: <laughs> he's like Luke Skywalker. He's, you know, he's a human, yes, but he's part machine. That's right. That's right. Just like his dad. Mellotron, Ian Anderson. <laughs> N- no, Ian,
1: I am your father. <laughs>
0: Mellotron! <laughs> Mellotron, no!
1: So who is who is Melotron's emperor? W- would that be John Evan? would be the that'd be the boiler the boiler the boiler fluid <laughs> factory. Yes, approved.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: All right, so let's let's jump into lyrics. Unless you have anything else musically or or thematically.
0: No, I, I think that maybe you know musical stuff might come up.
1: Yeah, and we
0: will deal with it at that time. But yeah, let's jump into the lyrics.
1: Well. But let's do an overarching. Does this fit into War Child? In terms yes. of the the movie, oh, oh, in terms of the film, yes. Sound wise, it does. Yes, I'll give you that. But in terms of that overarching theme, could you see this in the film somewhere?
0: Could be. Mm-hmm. Could be. I I would if I was a cinematographer, I would not be mad about having a a fun cityscape sequence. Mm-hmm. That was to the tune of this or incorporating this into. But right. I also think that it doesn't need the film. No. For context. It stands on its own yep. as such a great piece. So like Rainbow Blues
1: did. Yeah. Mm hmm. OK, let's. So yeah, I, I don't know. Let's get into it. I. I yes, I, I agree. It. it I could see that it could fit in there sound-wise, and if if it fits into the story, great. But again, this is one of those off-the-bonus tracks where this could just very easily have been, this is one of the songs that we have, we got to drop it in somewhere. Indeed. So, Nick. Yeah. Let us
0: dive headfirst into these lyrics. Rise up, all you fine young ladies, and take arms for the show. Oh, we'll put your name up in lights put you down on glory road rise up while you find the young and and take on for the show oh we'll put your name up in the lights but you down on glory road
1: what world are we in nick this this feels like broadway this feels yeah. like Like the the theater district, and this is something that you and I spoke about prior to recording. But this is this feels like either either being a a a tourist or someone going to visit this area in a in a city that is large enough to to warrant a a theater a theater district, like London, like like London, the West End in London, or or New York,
0: Mm -hmm. in in the U.S. I mean, and of course in in England, there are England is blessed with a national arts council that actually functions, and so they have a lot of their other cities do have real arts districts. But yeah. but the sense that I'm getting from this is that this is this is a London or or a New York.
1: Yeah. But is it is it is it s- spoken in terms of being a tourist to go visit there, or is it getting getting people onto the stage? I think this is hey kid do you ever want to go into show business you want to be in the pictures you can you're going to be a big star <laughs> yeah i th- i think so which now that you think about it now that i think about it <laughs> it finally. finally it makes me it makes me think that it could possibly be a part of war child because this is a temptation coming from the singer you know, I will I will give you this sell me your soul. I will give you this. Indeed. And especially when we get into the second verse as well to really hammer home that point in terms of the yes. na- the narrator, but we'll get there.
0: Well, and how many times have musicians met the devil at the crossroads to sell their soul f- to to play the guitar yeah. well? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Clapton, Dylan. Yeah. I've taken out like mortgages and mortgages <laughs> on my soul. Lancelot. Lancelot bar. No, Lancelot Bar, I don't think he sold his soul to the devil, Nick. That's
1: divine is what that is. I think,
0: I think that the devil came round to Mr. Lancelot Bar and, and was like, please, please give me your soul.
1: He's like, I don't and need Lancelot you. Lancelot was like, yeah,
0: he was like, no, mate, I never listen to the devil because I don't want to be influenced <laughs> as a guitarist.
1: Or, or maybe, maybe the devil learned how to play the guitar from Lancelot and therefore he could go <laughs> teach other people for their souls. That's, that's exactly what it was. Martin Barr actually has the devil's soul. He sold. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. He captured it. He was like, "I'm not giving you this shit back for a while." No. <laughs> and that's that's why he feels that emptiness inside. He has to go get other people's souls.
0: That's right. That's right. So so Nick. So yes, this is this is the this is the hey kid, do you want to be in show business? Mm-hmm. Uh, tr- trope. Mm-hmm. However, this is with with a a, a typical tallness. Not the same as some of our other songs that we find out in the world. Go on. Well, often when we have this type of song, I'm thinking of I'm thinking of the song Fame. Baby, look at me and tell me what you see. You ain't seen the best of me yet. Give me time. I'll make you forget the rest. Remember my name. Fame. I'm gonna live. So that- I feel it coming together. People will see me and cry fame.
1: So that is that is told from the point of view of the person attaining the fame as opposed to the person granting the fame.
0: Exactly. And and normally the way that those kind of fame-themed songs go are, yo, I'm so famous, you'll you'll I'm gonna be so famous forever.
1: Yeah. And very rarely are they, have you ever considered what fame is? Mm. <laughs> true, true to Ian, it's it is more. It is a darker look. It is more realistic. It is more nihilistic. It's definitely more realistic. Yeah. They, they come and they go
0: down on Glory Road. Yeah. It's the same old story. Yes, it's the same old show. Come and they go down on Glory Road. It's the same old story.
1: Yeah, not only does has have have movie stars and vaudeville stars risen and fallen in terms of popularity and 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 skill and talent etc. but it's it's also there are no new ideas. We're just repeating the same product as well.
0: Exactly. And and it's the cycle which is the same. We've got a hot young star. You've never seen anything mm-hmm. like this before. Here they are. Oh, well, actually, here comes an even hotter, uh, even younger yeah, star a month and, then, and a half later, yeah, right or you know, if it's a month and a half later, if it's a decade later, sure, inevitably everyone goes out of style. everyone's light fades. There's a brilliant film by Charlie Chaplin called Limelight mm. from the phrase in the limelight, you know, in the public attention, where he plays a a a washed up Clown, essentially, who yeah. had been the greatest clown in the world and now is an alcoholic and mm-hmm. pretty much living in poverty. And he has kind of re- of a resurgence of his career due to his attachment to a young ballerina. Oh, that's coming back to mm, the ballerina theme, Nick. There it is. You can never escape the ballerinas. Yep. And... Of course it all collapses out from under him and he dies at the very end just when he's had this tiny little resurgence. And it's a very poignant look at the reality of what it is to be a performer.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's Ooh. it is yeah, it's 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 a little refreshing as dark as it is when you think about it like this. It's also really refreshing to see to see people acknowledge that. You know, yes. Because, because, in a sense, it's it's also an instance of even though he's not outright saying it, it's Ian acknowledging like, "Hey, I could I could be done in a year." Like, I acknowledge that this is this is a result of celebrity kind of thing.
0: Well, and in the context of having had massive success with Aqualung, mm-hmm. massive success with Thick as a Brick, and then getting panned, yeah, with his previous album, I think there is a sense of you know, even though that at this time they were still, in terms of a touring act on the ascendancy in, in the U.S., I think that whether whether or not they were aware of their own slame, fi- their own slame flipping, their own fame mm, slipping, there it is. They were they were entering a period in which their popularity did recline, did decline. Ooh, N- Nick? omen. Words words are hard, and and we do have. In the second verse, well, hello, all you gentlemen. I fear I'm a lot like you. Well, hello, all you gentlemen. I fear I'm a lot like you.
1: Yeah. Well, but before before we go any further, I just want to do a little a little etymology of limelight because okay, just just because I love you know, etymology is my jam. You know,
0: there's only one thing that I love more than tapestries. Is it etymology? It's etymology. I didn't know that. I love, oh, mm, etymology. If you could tell me the etymology of the word
1: tapestry, (gasps) I would. Don't do it. Don't you dare. I I will need to change my life (laughs) and my pants. So limelight. (laughs) (laughs) It's a type of stage lighting originally that was used in theaters and music halls. It's an an intense illumination that's created by an oxyhydrogen flame that's directed at a cylinder of quicklime calcium oxide and they used quicklime because it can be heated up to 4,662 degrees fahrenheit before melting wow. yeah whoa yep. so so and because they used quicklime the lights were termed as limes so to be in the mm. limelight is you are in the light that is shown on a stage you're and it's the most intense light so you're in you're you're in focus you're on the you're in the spotlight yes yeah and what, what time period are we talking? When did those lights first start being used? They 1826 was the first working version. Wow. Yep. Yeah. So at that time, light
0: would have been pretty limited. I mean, you wouldn't have all the different options for lighting. You would have no. probably the footlights yeah. and the limelight.
1: Yeah. Let's see. So So 26 was the first working version. Looks like... It was first used on an indoor stage in Covent Garden in 1837, wow. Co- Covent Garden, so th- London. They were pre-electric. Yeah. Yeah. It was just, it was a flame. It was a hot burning flame that, that passed through the quicklime, which therefore, I don't know if it refracted it, but it amplified it.
0: I wonder if it phosphoresced or if it heated up to, to a level where it would start emitting its own light.
1: Mm, Interesting. Yeah. And actually, limelights were also used to highlight solo performers. So there must have yeah. been someone directing them as well. That's
0: cool. I, I imagine I imagine it operated like a spotlight. And so you would probably only be able to afford one of them in the theater and you would use it to uh, yes. pick to pick out the star. Mm-hmm. So being in the limelight also metaphorically is you're the star. You've got top billing.
1: Yes. Got it. Yep. Yeah, I think that all checks out for sure. And do you know what else the limelight does, Nick? What else does it do? Oh, it burns out?
0: It fades. Yeah, it does. It passes on to someone else. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that delightful etymology. <laughs> my, my treat. Let's dive back into the lyrics. Hello, all you gentlemen. I fear I'm a lot like you. We're wearing the same school tie, but a different pair of shoes. Well, hello, all you gentlemen. I fear I'm a lot like you. We're wearing the same school tie, but a different
1: pair of
0: shoes.
1: What do you make of that? Hmm. That little sartorial clothing reference there. I think everybody has to wear the same uniform. It all comes from the same place. It's all the same design. It's all it's all to to match. However. Maybe there's a, a an instance where you didn't all have the same shoes. You just had to have a black pair of shoes. Sure. So the wealthier people could afford really nice fancy black shoes whereas the mm. the lower classes had like the the bottom of the barrel black dress shoe. Right? Yeah. That that's my guess. So is it is it a
0: comment on origin? or is it a comment on how far you've come is it is it saying that now you can afford the better shoes now you can distinguish yourself by wearing shoes that are that are more special even though you're all you're all coming from the same place in terms of the tie
1: so the so the the i the narrator is is the one with the the less fancy pair of shoes you're saying well i Grammatically he's saying
0: we are wearing the same school tie but a different pair of shoes.
1: Yeah. So but but it could go either way that the gentlemen have the nicer shoes and he doesn't or he has the nicer shoes and they don't. Or a third option is that they have
0: all as a group evolved or developed to the point that even though they all came from the same place they have now distinguished themselves into individuals.
1: Mm. Okay.
0: Yeah, like they, like they all came from the same place, but they they're walking a different path. Yeah,
1: yeah, right. But ultimately, regardless of which of those three it is, if it is I any of those, how, right. how does that fit in?
0: <laughs> I think that. I think that he is tying himself. So we have the first verses about the ladies of Glory Row. Now mm-hmm. we're talking about the gentlemen of Glory Row. Right. So, I think that Ian is saying. I am intrinsically linked to this cycle of fame and obscurity. Okay. And, you know, we all walk this path for a different amount of time, but the path is the same and yields the same questions, which he follows then with, yeah. how did you get to be who you are? Will your, cha- will your children share the blame? Is it really worth the time it takes to carve your name on Glory Row? How did you get to be who you are? Will your children share the blame? Is it really worth the time? It takes to carve your name. And that, <laughs> and that I find really fascinating because, you know, just looking at Ian's life, and I think it's, he's not a father at this point. but No, I don't think he, so. But he must have encountered other musicians who had children. Sure, sure. And it it, it makes me think, Nick, of my days as a as a young, bright eyed performer, and meeting this incredible actor, one of the best actors I've ever met.
1: Oh, stop! Who's in? Owen, please. You're, st- you're embarrassing <laughs> you know,
0: me. I, I'm so sorry. The second best <laughs> oh, okay. actor I ever met, and he had spent. He was in his forties maybe late forties. He had spent his entire life touring. Mm -hmm. He he was English. He got his start in the local theaters in England, local paying theaters, and worked his way up from a bit parter to a to a lead and then just was had tour he started touring in his 20s and he had just been touring for like 25 years. Yeah. He had two or three different kids Mm. in different places. With 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 different people, obviously. I think some, I think at least some of them were with different women. Yeah. And he occasionally would get cards from them, hmm. but he wouldn't see, but he didn't see them that much because he was always touring and he was in a different country. And it was just like, I remember at first really admiring this guy because, and I still do, he's absolutely an incredible actor. He played Malvolio and mm. I've never seen anyone just capture the attention of the audience with that role like yeah. that
1: before. But and learning that he and this was also an era where like you couldn't just hop on Skype, you know. Absolutely, but learning that he was a father
0: and had such remote access, such distance from his own children, I I thought, wow, that's a massive sacrifice to get paid not that much to yeah, do Shakespeare in the Park, right?
1: Right. I mean, it's the, It's the same thing for people who decide to do the fair circuit, the Ren Fair circuit, you know?
0: Absolutely. Or for people who who tour as musicians. Or carnies. For anyone. Let's talk about the carnies, Nick. No, I don't think we talk enough about the carnies. And they don't even get the glory. They don't even get to carve their name. Yeah. Who, who knows what motivates them? We know, actually, it's drugs. but <laughs> oh, It's meth. For the... <laughs> For the performers, even the ones who achieve this stardom, who get to carve their name in Glory mm-hmm. Row, the sacrifices that are made are tremendous. Yeah. And so is it, this is a
1: huge question, is it really worth the time it takes to carve your name down on Glory Row? It's, but it's different for every person, you know, mm-hmm. to, some, uh, to some a sacrifice like that is, is totally justifiable. And to some, it's not even necessarily a sacrifice to them. They didn't even want kids anyway. Exactly. I mean, it's highly possible sure, to, to, have, I... to have three kids in three different locations with three different people. I'm leaning toward accident on that.
0: Right. But whether it's, whether it's intentional or not, the emotional pull True. of that while you're on the road takes a toll. Mm-hmm. Unless you're a troll living in a hole
1: befriended by a mole who who often takes strolls while eating rolls. <laughs> mhm. Mhm. Come back to our
0: other podcast, Rhyme R- I don't, Risky
1: Rhymes. I was I was trying I was trying to think of something I knew you'd try to. <laughs> but you you are you jump off feet first without looking down. I wait. <laughs> Accurate. That's right. That's right. That's why we make a good pair. That's huh? right. That's right. Because I'm, I'm Cause holding the rope. <laughs> I jump and you're like,
0: wait, there's this rope. <laughs> Where's your harness? So, Nick, and, and at the risk of speaking about my personal feelings on this matter, I'm going to speak about my personal feelings on this matter. And that is that I have, as you know, long pursued the career of being a performer mm-hmm. and I have at various points had more or less success with it mm-hmm. and I'm now in a period of my life where I am learning how to pursue that while also gaining more stability Yeah, and and what I'm realizing is that at this period in my life I don't want to pursue you know trying to be a performer full time because it's a stupid existence, in my opinion, for me, because you can't have any reliable schedule. You can't have a family. You yeah. can't have normal relationships. You can't get your hair cut in the same place, you know? Yeah.
1: You can't You can't set roots. You can't set roots. You are a potted plant. With no pot. With no pot. You're a plant. Just a plant. You're tumbleweed. Oh, you're, a Ooh, you're a tumbleweed. Oh, there it is. Yep. <laughs> Finally got back to that classic metaphor. (laughs) Uh, And as they say, a
0: tumbleweed grows no moss. That's, yep. Mm -hmm. I I guess the point here, Nick, is that I think that this song is a beautiful and complex representation of the difficult issue which performers, one of the difficult issues that professional performers
1: face in their careers. Sure. Sure, yeah. Absolutely. It's and and you can you can i think i think there's enough vagary here that you can kind of interpret how ian's trying to present it yes and and maybe that is and most likely that's totally intentional it's a lot like it's a lot like the guy who who decides to to sacrifice things to to go on tour it, it's up to him to decide what that sacrifice is and it's up to to each listener of this song, to determine who's making the sacrifice and and who is willing to to settle on something that is better for them, whether it's pursuing being on Glory Row, having their name up in lights, or or wearing the pair of shoes that is work shoes to to go sit in an office, or 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 a pair of boots to go out and, and work construction, you know. Yeah.
0: And I think that what's brilliant about this song, as with so many of Ian's writing, is that it presents us this metaphor, which on the face of it seems to be about the world of Broadway or the world of the West End. Mm -hmm. But it makes it so relatable because everyone, whether they pursue performance or not, has to deal with this issue. Do you chase glory? Do you chase what's shiny and what feels like it's really important or or not you know what's the cost what's the cost of having quote
1: unquote your name in lights yeah and and just to get even more convoluted like it's up to every person to determine what their glory is too
0: exactly
1: you know i mean it's it's easy to kind of lump and just say well We can specify for this example that that celebrity and 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 being in the spotlight, being in the limelight is is the glory here. But maybe you can you can tweak it a little bit. You know, maybe that's what that that different pair of shoes metaphor, I guess, would be is is you you get to determine don't let anyone else tell you what your glory is. Right. And you you, you wear shoes appropriate for that. You wear shoes. you and, and you know what? Don't wear shoes.
0: Or don't wear shoes. Yeah. <laughs> but if you're going to go into a public bathroom, please wear shoes. Highly recommended. Highly recommended. I also love about this song, Nick, that he, meaning Ian, doesn't ever give his direct opinion about these things. Right. Right. He says... Would you be the star of ages to, lo- to light your own way at night? Mm-hmm. How did you get to be who you are? Will your children share the blame? Is it really worth the time? He poses questions. Would you be the star of ages to light your own way at night? How did you get to be?
1: He says, "Here's what's possible. Do you want it?" It's he's he's using rhetorical device.
0: Ah, uh, and you know, Nick, if there's one thing that I like slightly less than tapestries,
1: <laughs> it's rhetorical I, device. I, I can dig some some rhetorical device. And and I think, as as silly as as we make it sound sometimes, I think it is safe to say that Ian is one hell of a rhetorician. Oh. Indeed, with I, with everything, all, serious,
0: all seriousness, front and center, he really is, and that's why he make That's why his songs are so intriguing, and that's why there's a podcast about them. That's we should listen to
1: that. It might help ah. us in our research. <laughs> I've got nothing else for Glory Rowe, Omen. Do you? I have not. Okay, I think we should wrap it up here then, because otherwise, it's just us babbling more. <laughs> Nick, what are we listening to next week? Next week, we have a bit of a heavier number. We have saturation. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, a little.
0: One that's less easy to, to define, perhaps.
1: Yeah, but I n- no doubt we will bumble through that as well. I'm sure we will, unless someone stops us. <laughs> Please, for the love of God, <laughs> stop, stop us.
0: Somebody stop us. <laughs> we have this podcast, but at what cost? <laughs> well, until next week, dear listeners, if you want to write your name up in bright stars, you can do so by sending us a five-star rating of our podcast. You can write your name in the history of positive reviews by attaching your name to the fame machine that is Talk Tall to Me in a review on iTunes, not Spotify, but some of the other ones. Or just send us an email.
1: Hel- help us attain placement upon Gloria row with those reviews and those five-star ratings. Some
0: things fade, Nick, but Talk Tall to Me will be on the internet forever.
1: Yes, we've done this to ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> Until next week, I am Nick McGill. I am Omen Sade. Sade, Sade, Sade. We are Feckless Moms. And this is Talk
0: Tall to Me. Me, tall me to me, 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 Tall to me. <laughs>
1: Omen. Yes, Nick. Tapestry. Noun. Yes. A fabric okay. on which colored threads of wool, silk, gold, or silver are fixed to produce a pattern. Late 14th century, tapestry, from old French tapisserie, which means tapestry mm-hmm. from the 14th century, right. from tapisser to cover with heavy fabric. Oh. oh, yes. From tapis, heavy fabric or carpet. From oh, yeah. tapis. Carpet or floor covering from the 12th century. Uh, from ugh. from the vulgar Latin, tapetium. From Byzantine Greek, tapetion. From classical Greek, diminutive of tapes, the genitive of tapetos, which wow. is heavy fabric, carpet or rug. So heavy. Which comes from an Iranian source compared to the Persian taftan of to turn oh. or twist, which wow. is from the Proto-Indo-European temp. To stretch. Uh-huh. The first figurative use was recorded in the 1580s. And finally, <laughs> from Talk Tull to Me, it is a proud member of the Feckless Momes Audio Network. Bravo! Bravo!
0: Well done.